And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and today I'm joined by Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. How was your Christmas? Was Santa good to you? Did he get you everything you could have dreamed of? Of course, yes. It was a great time. Got a new rollback polo. Got a new little hat. So showing off the new fit. Still a little festive. It's got little... Little bulldogs on it. I did not go to the University of Georgia, but who doesn't love bulldogs? So, rocking, rocking the new Christmas fit, Evan. How about you? How was your Christmas? I, I like it. It was good. It was relaxing. I li- I think holidays are best personally when they're relaxing. It's for it's fun. You know, it's you get to do different things. You can, you know, feel fat sitting on the couch. There was a lot of football and and basketball to watch. That was great. Uh, in terms of gifts, uh, the biggest things were things I picked out myself. Uh, new pants, things like that. Because nothing's worse than getting clothes for Christmas and being like, ah, these don't fit. And then you know it's going to be a while until you go back to uh, get them returned because, uh, you know, you know that the couple days after Christmas, the malls and the stores are just zoos. And then, you know, it starts to go towards New Year's and you forget about it. And so uh, I, I did all my own shopping in terms of pants and things like that. So it, that was perfect. Uh, some new clothes. I don't have any of them on right now, unfortunately. Uh, and what's funny is as we were getting sitting down to record this, um, I was like, man, I could use a new light for these and I could use new AirPods. And I was like, huh, if only there was a holiday where I could have gotten those as a gift. So I was gonna say, yeah, I got a I, new little, got a new little microphone. I don't have the plug for it yet. But <laughs> oh. Moving forward, I'll have a moving forward. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit clearer. It's not just through the AirPods, but no, I, I feel your pain, Evan. Nice. No, that's good. That's good. That's smart. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I went. I had to go to Best Buy last minute. I saw the the, uh, the podcast stuff. I was like, damn, I should ask for some of that. So, uh, but anyways, we play on. I think we do okay with what we got. Uh, I'll last till next Christmas uh, when I can ask for those things. I'm sure I'll forget about them by then. Uh, Anyways, uh, the Bruins have been on a three-day break. Uh, They had the 24th, the 25th, the 26th off, as they do every year. Uh, That was the one thing missing from the last couple days. I mean, you had the World Juniors, which was nice, but wouldn't have hated an NHL game on the 26th. Uh, but fortunately, the Bruins are back. Uh, we're recording this the 27th, so they're back. They play the Sabres tonight, uh, on, on Wednesday night. Uh, but the Bruins have been limping of late. Really limping of late. 0-2-2 uh, two two in their last four. 1-2-3 uh, in their last six. Uh, two, well, the Winnipeg performance was brutal on Friday night. Uh, 5-1 loss. That was bad. And then uh, 3-2 narrowly edged out uh, in Minnesota. Uh, What do you make of this? Is the sky falling, Connor? No, I wouldn't say the sky is falling, right? Um, I think as we've talked about before, when this team has hit ups and downs, are they as good as they were at the start of the year with that crazy record? No. Are they as bad as they've been the last, you know, four or five games? No. They're somewhere in between. Maybe not completely in between, but they, they are a playoff team that should be hovering around the the second or third spot in the Atlantic. Um, they still, you look at their blueprint in terms of what they should be in terms of being anchored by elite goaltending and what should be very strong defense. They should be a team that is a tough out night in and night out. Have not seen that yet. We know about the scoring. And I think that's been probably the most uh, stark flaw that we knew going into the year. There's going to be a lot of these one goal games, a lot of these situations where, this team does not have the firepower to kind of land that knockout blow and and cruise to a two-goal, three-goal win. Um, it's been few and far between this year, but 
that that dearth of scoring plus what I think has been the most uncharacteristic thing, which has been the the defense. Way too many uh, chances uh, surrendered at the net front. Way too many struggles against rush uh, chances. All these things that when you look at the personnel should be corrected. And again, every team has you know these wells where their defensive uh, structure is lacking and uh, a lot is left to be desired. It's been a trend all season long, and that's something that yes, you can look at. Uh, the offense and maybe gaining a guy at the deadline or, you know, a guy like DeBrus breaking through, you have the personnel in place on defense. You need to really fix that right now because it's not fair to both Lena Solmark and Jeremy Swayman to, you know, be tasked with, you know, turning aside, you know, 10 plus high danger chances night in and night out. That's unsustainable, even if you got arguably the two best goalies in net every single night. And again, you know, you look back at the beginning of the season and that was what was carrying them. You know, that was what made up for, uh, you know, some uh, rough defense in front or lack of scoring. And they've, you know, sort of fallen back to earth a bit. They're not bad, but they've just been, you know, a little above average. You're talking about the two goalies and you have to expect that. <laughs> you know, I think you have to understand that that's going to happen. Uh, you're right about the defense. They are way too easy to play against, but we've we've talked a lot about that because it continues to be a problem. And as you said, this should not be a problem. Lindholm, Carlo, uh, McAvoy, you have guys that should be better, especially physically uh, in front of their own net, uh, imposing in the corners. Uh, they struggle to clear the puck out of their own zone. I mean, there are sequences. It was uh, you know both Minnesota games in that third period, especially the one at the Garden about a week ago where they could not get out of their own end in the third period. And, you know, there's just a lack of urgency. The other thing is, like, you know, people look and go, oh, the scoring has has dried up. And it has. But why has the scoring dried up? And the biggest reason is they are never in the offensive zone for any extended period of time. And when they are, the play breaks up. You know, it just goes the other way or there's a bad pass. And they can never really find interior ice. And, you also look at, like, I saw, I was reading Fluto Shinzawa today, and it's, he called them the one-and-done Bruins in the offensive zone. You know, chance off the rush, boom, other way. And it's uh, that has to stop, and that's systemic. Uh, and again, just not being able to get to those interior uh, interior ice and sustain zone time. This isn't NHL 23. You know, Connor, I'll be honest, uh, my, uh, my NHL strategy was always, if I was playing a better team, pack it in in your own zone win the game 2-1, hope your goalie, you know, goes off, gets hot. I think the reason I don't love NHL 24 as much is because uh, the goalies get tired and they start to let in goals as the yep. shifts go on and on. Um, but that's the been the Bruins thing this year. And I think uh, a lack of zo- of offensive zone time has hurt them just as much as kind of their, their shortcomings in the defensive zone. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, this is something that's been talked about time and time again. Like I go back to that road game against the Rangers, they gave up seven goals. And uh, a lot of those, you know, high danger chances of those scoring plays by the Rangers were generated either off the rush or them, you know, capitalizing on a really tired Bruins team. And Charlie Coyle kind of mapped it out best is that, yes, you know, they've got the high-end talent in place, the Bruins, with guys like Pasternak and uh, Marchand and what have you. But they need to, you know, do the dirty work before those plays, right? It has to be, you know, cycling the puck, getting the opposition tired, you know, exploiting those kind of holes in the defense and, you know, having a guy like Pasternak, you know, deliver like the knockout punch, right? You can't just like go in for the, as you said, like a one and done chance or, or plays off the rush. You don't have the the depth or the overall skill set to do that. It has to be, all right, you wear them down, you hold on to the puck, 
you exploit those soft areas of the ice. And that's where a proven goal scorer, like a Pasternak can, can uh, generate his chances, right? Like that has to be the formula and you're not seeing that. And again, it's something that just keep struggling to kind of find that rhythm or find that, that area strength. It, it's every time when, you know, you've had these games where guys are holding onto the puck, extending those on time. You're like, yes, keep doing that. Like it's a pretty set formula, but it's so few and far between this year in terms of consistently doing that night in night out that they fall into these same really kind of bad habits that are just unsustainable for putting together a winning product. And it's also a lack of physicality too. I mean, yeah. if you're struggling to maintain the puck in the ozone, that means you're getting hit off the puck. Uh, but the other thing is like, you're not forcing turnovers on the forecheck and that comes from being physical. We've seen this a lot with, uh, with that other teams do this to the Bruins. They've got to start being the aggressor. They've got to be the tougher team to play against the team that uh, is annoying to play against. They need to be more of that. And they haven't been that. And it's a weird thing because uh, again, you know, obviously with the loss of Lucic, you do lose that physical element, but that's a fourth line guy. He's not, he was never going to be the one, uh, creating tons of sustained offensive zone time. Right. Uh, so again, the fact that they're having these issues, uh, isn't good. We knew that they weren't going to score as much that that's understandable. That's okay. But you do also have the personnel offensively who can cycle a puck who can have sustained ozone time. I don't think that it's too much to ask of guys like DeBrusque, Frederick, Coyle, Zach. I mean, all of them, whether or not they're going to put up 20 goals and 50 points, you can still have that sustained ozone time because, uh, Connor, the best defense is good offense. People forget. People often forget. Uh, And to me, like, I don't, unless I'm just going full negativity mode here, there hasn't been anything in the last couple games that I've been like, oh, I like that. I like yeah. how that's that's working. They're really right now is – and that's why – I mean, so I saw some people saying with this three-day break, you know, oh, they need more practice. They need more games. Part of me, yeah, sure. But another part of me is like, no, you need to reset. This is not like – and again, they do need to practice a bit more. Sure, uh, I know they've been kind of lacking in the amount of practices they've had over the last month. But I also think – this is kind of a good time to reset, take a break, get away from hockey, and just sort of uh, focus on having a better second half. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's. I was talking to Ty Anderson about this on our last poke the bear. Is like as a writer, it's not necessarily that fun to write about the team because, or I mean, listen, it, it's it's great. I'm not saying, it, but in terms of like day in and day out, like scheming up new things to write about, because a lot of times it's the same storyline playing out. If it's a loss. They're losing a, a game where they fail to, you know, extend the lead. They're giving up a goal late. You're seeing the same defensive struggles. But then offensively, in games where they're winning, it's like, all right, the goaltending's bailing them out. Uh, David Pasternak scored two goals. You know, it's a Coyle or Marshan or Zaka. It's not like, you know, it, it's great last year when obviously they win, you know, they set a record for points. But it was every game seemed like there was another guy stepping up. There was the Frederick game, DeBrusque. Uh, you know, Taylor Hall on the third line, you know, the fourth line, a guy like Nosek had a, everyone had a insert player name here game, right? You're not really seeing that as much this year where this team, of course, you need a guy like DeBrus to get going, but you need a, I even look at like the, the, the last game at home, right? Where Lauko, they lose that game, but drops the gloves, tries a lacrosse goal. That's a Jakob Lauko game, right? Like you need yes. more of those where other guys across the lineup are stepping up and, and pulling the, you know, maybe more than their weight to get this team two points. You're just not seeing that nearly as much this year so far. 
No, you're not. And that's why it is incredible. They're still first in the Atlantic. Um, it really is uh, unbelievable. But uh, before we get to the rest of our conversation, Connor, a quick word from our friends over at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. In Mass, 21 plus and present in Mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now, back to the show. Connor, I don't know if you saw, uh, was it Christmas Eve or the day after Christmas? That Jeremy Swayman and Jakub Lauko got stuck in the elevator going to Kevin Shattenkirk's apartment. I thought that was uh, pretty gritty. I mean, listen, I'm just surprised that Derek Fulbert wasn't involved in the elevator-related hijinks because that man, I think, on at least two or three times has talked about how his elevator has broken down in the North End. I don't know. It might be very similar to whatever like old-ass Titanic-looking elevator that Swayman and Lauko were on. Like, I don't know who, when that thing was built. Fucking Steamboat Willie was just in theaters when Hoover put that that elevator together. But uh, just shocking that Fulbert was not involved in that. It seems like every time that man is on one of those modes of transportation, something's going awry. The Millard Fillmore was president. Uh, yes, when that, Rutherford when that, B. When Hayes. Rutherford B. Hayes. Not Mill- I don't know why I thought it was Look, Millard Fillmore. I mean, B. listen, Hayes. another great president. Not really. He actually, he the Civil War happened very shortly after his tenure. But I'm just saying that Rutherford B. Hayes, uh, those lackluster regulation oversight on engineering wouldn't happen on our good friend Rutherford's watch. No. Oh, my God. He would have had that locked down. It is true, though. Like, whenever I am in an elevator that looks remotely old, it always enters my head. I'm like, could this be it? This could be the one that, uh, you know, the halt. And uh, I, I don't want any part of that. So um, hopefully they're out by now. Hopefully they're in Buffalo. They're, I would hope they, so. They escaped. You know, we'll it's, find it's, out in a few hours. It's been long enough. It'd be funny if it was uh, game time came and said, oh, Swayman and Lauko are inactive. They're still stuck in the elevator uh, yes. going to Kevin Shattenkirk's apartment. But uh, anyways, they are they are out and good, thankfully. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, uh, I was reading a story from Fudo Shinzawa on uh, Wednesday morning about how, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, should the Bruins acquire a center? Should the Bruins acquire uh, a defenseman? But the answer might lie at wing, because we knew going into this year that center was going to be an area of uh, less depth, but it's actually worked out pretty well. Even with Patra gone, you still have Coyle, who's playing really well, Pavel Zaka. 
You have Morgan Geeky, who looks primed to step in. Johnny Beecher's been really solid in that 4C role. Um, you know, and on defense, obviously, we've mentioned the inefficiencies and the issues, but you have the guys. I don't, you know, I think another big body wouldn't hurt them back there, but I don't think it's the the pressing need. Where you might really need someone and what might be cheaper is a wing, which I like this idea. We've we've touched on this a bit. We, I think we've talked more about trading Jake DeBrusque than we have uh, adding a wing per se. But, you know, like I was reading what Fluto was saying about how, uh, you know, to get Elias Lindholm, it's going to take a lot. It's going to probably take a first round pick, uh, other uh, strong assets, which the Bruins don't really have. But on the wing, I mean, there are guys out there on struggling teams like an Anthony Duclair a Tyler Johnson and Adam Henrique, where maybe that's worth kind of taking a flyer on. The question is you don't want to be giving up a ton for what could be a short-term rental. I think that's sort of where I'm like, hey, don't give up a lot here for someone that's only going to be here for this year. But what would you think about adding a wing who could potentially be in the top six? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I even look at kind of like how the approach was with like a guy like Marcus Johansson, right? Who I think they envision as being a top six guy, settled into more of that third line, but we saw how much it can help over a playoff run when you have a you know established playmaker, a, a potential scoring threat further down the lineup. Like even if it's a guy like Duclair, Tyler Johnson, and they're in that middle six role, you look at this team and how slim their their margin for error is, but how much an extra couple of goals can change a really frustrating you know a third period uh, loss. Uh, you know, how much that can maybe turn into a, a nice 4-2 win or something. You just get that extra goal at a critical time. So, you know, as you said, guy like Duclair, Tyler Johnson, Henrique, any guy like that, if it's worth the price, um, I can see it helping this team in terms of just getting more potent scoring somewhere down the lineup, right? As you said, like, I think everyone likes an Elias Lindholm, and we've talked about him before, but uh, the the hurdles of bringing a guy like that in for what the cost is, that's going to be the biggest issue. And again, like, uh, it's not to say the Bruins would not like a guy like Elias Lindholm, but when you look at like their center depth right now with Zaka, Coyle, Coyle Patra, and Beecher, like you're doing all right there right now. Like, that's not really necessarily an area of concern. It's just the the wing depth, the actual tangible scoring that's been kind of the biggest issue. I think just the overall hurdle for it though has to be um, the, the the fact that if you're getting a guy like Henrique or Duclair, what have you, you're still going to have to move out NHL assets to make a deal like that work just because you're, I think last time I checked, Bruins had about 56,000 in available cap space. Not great. Going to have to get a little creative if you really want to bring in any NHL talent, let alone let alone a guy like Lindholm. Let alone anybody in any job. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a lot of cap space. Um, but, uh, you know, even if the Bruins can't create cap space, you know what they can do, Connor? They can go to our friends at HelloFresh. So, quick word from our good friends over at HelloFresh. So, you hit it there in that for a guy like Lindholm, you don't have the ammo or you sh- doesn't look like you have the ammo to execute that kind of trade, especially for a guy who's making $4.875 million, who would, uh, again, easy cap hit, uh, you know, lots of value in terms of just two-way play, all that stuff. But again, on the wings, you know, it it uh, it makes more sense. But you also said, and you're right in saying this, you're going to have to make an NHL move because you don't have much cap space. Um, so then who goes? Uh, obviously, Matt Grizzlick is a name that people look at. Uh, Jake DeBrusque is another one. Um, I, for, for guys like Duclair, Johnson, Henrique, 
Those are guys coming from teams that I would think really wouldn't want NHL talent in return, unless I'm wrong on this, which I don't think I am. Uh, I think those teams more so want prospects. And, you know, there's got maybe they want like a Kuntar or someone like that. I can't imagine that would get it done, especially in a trade deadline market where teams can, you're overpaying for everybody. It's never really a fair price at the deadline. But, you know, as I was listening to myself talk about HelloFresh, I was thinking about, you know, we've talked a lot about Fabian Lysel's uh, value declining and how right now isn't the best time to trade him considering you have Mujanel's comments, you have, um, you know, spotty play that scouts can easily look to. But if it was for someone like a Duclair or Johnson, right? Now, that's clearly a downgrade from where Fabian Lysel would have been. You know, a couple, you know, a year ago, two years ago, you're packaging him for a much better player, for a Bo Horvat or a, a Tomas Hurdle or something like that. Um, but if if you gave up a Lysel and you sort of sold mid on Lysel and dealt him for a Duclair or a Johnson or a Henrique, would you be comfortable with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it depends on just how other teams value him. Because I could also see a situation where, again, I don't think the Bruins necessarily that high on Lysel in his overall game. But I think there's a lot of other teams out there that for how they like to play in terms of maybe more run and gun, more rush heavy, it could be like, Bruins are offering up this guy. Like, we put him in our system. We really like how he could kind of build and and what he can provide for us. Because I think the talent is still there, especially offensively, offensively for a guy like Lysel. It's just whether or not he may be fits with what the Bruins are, are trying to kind of drill into their players, especially up at this level. Um, so again, if it's going to be the, the main thing that holds up a a deal for a scoring winger that can give you 20 goals, maybe you, you view that as a necessary, necessary move in terms of just helping out this NHL roster for a guy that, again, has potential, but maybe it won't be maximized here in Boston. Um, so that is something you have to you know consider, I, I think, but... I think the biggest hurdle for any of these trades just comes down to the NHL assets that you're going to have to part ways with and what teams value what you're offering. Cause we've talked about the Grizzly and the DeBrusque, but like I mentioned it with the, the Calgary thing, like you need to move NHL contracts to make a deal like that work. Cause Calgary who uh, is in the middle of a, probably a very long rebuild. Do they value a guy like a DeBrusque or a Grizzly who are, you know, in their late twenties, Grizzly's going to be 30 pretty soon who are also pending UFAs. Like, what's been a trend we've seen all the time with Calgary where guys get there and you're like, this arena fucking sucks. This place sucks. I don't like, want to be the here. Facility. <laughs> yeah. Like, and again, like, uh, of course, like the brush from Edmonton, but still, when you're a free agent and you're now, you know, you've, you've parted ways with the Bruins in, in that situation. So you're a lot more, I think, open to hitting the market then and getting your value. Rather stay up in, Edm uh, in Calgary that's in a long rebuild and has – lackluster facilities where you hit the open market and see what's out there. Like when you look at who the Bruins are probably comfortable with trading on this team, I don't know how valuable they are to teams across the NHL when there are a lot of pending UFAs guys in their, their late twenties when, you know, the, the teams you're trying to do deals with are teams that are maybe looking more for the long-term uh, asset management as opposed to, you know, taking off your guys that could be signing elsewhere in just a couple of months. And for guys like Grizzly and DeBrusque, you, you know, you hit it there with not, you know, teams that are rebuilding aren't going to want them. Teams that are contending would want them. Like, yeah. th I think that's who would want them. And I think the fear is, are you going against them in the first, second round of the playoffs? Which is why you would have to deal them to a team out west and pray that if you get to the Stanley Cup, you're not facing them because, 
oh boy, that would be quite the interesting storyline. Um, but I, I agree with you. I, I think uh, ultimately you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do with the, the pieces on your NHL roster. Um, you know, what does Grizzly get? Grizzly has value. Like, uh, Grizzly has value. Is that a second or third round pick? Potentially. I mean, he's a good, smaller, you know, good puck-moving NHL defenseman who can f- play every night. You know, I know he hasn't had the best season this year, but he's a proven NHL player. Um and I think that that could be worth, you know, a second or a third round pick. Um, and the Bruins could use that. So if they can get something like that, great. Because if you do that, then you're losing the money and you're opening up more cap space uh, to make a deal like one we said for Duclair Johnson. The only holdup I would have with guys like Duclair and Johnson and, and those guys is that, you know, they're very much middle sixers. And you feel like, I feel like you have a lot of those. And granted, I don't know if you're getting, you're not getting a surefire top-of-the-line winger at this deadline because that would require a lot. But even then, it's just like a logjam of guys that are there. That would be my only hold-up with that. But, you know, if you can have a veteran like Tyler Johnson who you can kind of count on to produce, Duclair, same thing, Henrique, same thing, I'd be intrigued to see how that would play out because anything that can spark anything with this scoring right now I think is uh, a good thing. Uh, Anyways, Connor. What can the people look forward to from you over at Boston Globe and theboston.com? Yeah, we're going to have you covered every step of the way this season with recaps, features, columns, breakdowns, all that good stuff over at boston.com. So please read all of my stuff over there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That has been Bruins Beat. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. Team.